Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hey guys, welcome to the Best Life Podcast. This is Danny J, and I am so excited to be doing today's episode. This will be another solo episode. We just got done with our food obsession and adrenal fatigue episode. Great feedback. And then Jill did her own solo episode on the tools to help with that. So we're going to just follow suit. We did our money one, and now I'm going to do some of the tools to help with the money issues. And so before we get into it, I want to just quickly mention again, our sponsor Organifi. Um, You know, I'm not big on pushing any kind of supplements. I'm really big on, you know, eating fresh, real food. But because I do travel quite a bit, um, I've found that, you know, just to keep things going, moving how they should move, all of those things, holy moly, these things have been helping me so much. Uh, The greens I cannot get enough of. And if you know me and you may hear some jokes or see on some of my stories, I sleep a lot. I mean, a lot, lot. And these have been just helping me get really good rest, but also wake up refreshed instead of so groggy in the morning. So check out Organifi.com. Make sure you put the best life in your checkout box and you'll get 20% off. All right, so let's get into this. I'm so excited to talk about this, and I know we kind of shared our stories, our money stories, in the last episode. You know, you heard about me growing up, my dad being a compulsive gambler, um, money being hidden from me, always having to hide it, never having enough. We were constantly living from Friday to Friday. I just remember being so stressed on Fridays because that's payday, and not knowing if my dad was going to bring home any money. And that meant watching my mom get stressed, possibly seeing them fight. Um, you know, there were things thrown across the room. In fact, there was one particular really, really scary episode where my mom threatened to kill herself and she threw a big like jar, I guess, against a wall and it broke and the glass came down and she took the broken glass and she started like, you know, scratching at her wrist. And I don't think she was really, um, really going to do anything, but I saw that and I was screaming and she was telling me, Danielle, go tell your dad that I'm going to do this. And really, she was kind of using us as pawns to try to get my dad to stop. And looking back now, I can see what she was doing. Of course, it was traumatizing and not maybe the right thing to do. But she was doing anything she could to get my dad to stop and just take care of his family. And addictions are an interesting thing, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex or whether it's gambling. It's something that can take over. And so this money episode I think is just perfect to fall right behind the food obsession because there are so many intertwined mindsets and things that just tie them all together. And the reason I'm doing this one is I wanted to share some other personal stories that I would that I didn't get to in the last episode. So how I got into this, interestingly enough, if you followed Jill and I for a long time, we lived very, very parallel lives on the same path really when it came to fitness working out, training, um, becoming trainers, doing online training, and then actually even working with other entrepreneurs. She coaches a lot of fitness entrepreneurs, and I was starting to do the same thing. However, in 2011, 12, 13, if you were part of this economy crash, maybe you remember, um, I lived in Las Vegas, and the housing market there 
crashed terribly. It was hit really hard across the country, but it was hit especially hard in Las Vegas markets, Phoenix markets, and Detroit markets. And I would say about eight out of 10 of my friends or family either foreclosed on their home, they filed bankruptcy, or they short sold a property. And my family was one of them. My parents, they ended up doing a weird kind of loan modification. And most of my friends foreclosed or filed bankruptcy, and we ended up doing the same. Uh, My husband had bought a house way before I met him. And in this time, our home was worth half of what we owed. It didn't seem to make sense to pay that. And at the same time, we lost a shit ton of income literally overnight because a lot of our clients suddenly lost their jobs and they were getting kicked out of their homes. So it was this terrible domino effect. And what happened was that we decided to foreclose. We stayed in our house rent-free actually for over a year, as told by one of our lawyer friends recommended us to do. But to be honest, it got scary for me. I didn't like the idea of it. Um, We were socking some money away, but we were starting to have that dwindle. And so we ended up moving in with some friends of ours. And that was pretty shameful for me. It was embarrassing that I couldn't take care of myself. And within a year and a half, we ended up moving to another state, moving for a job that my husband got. And we were living in an apartment. And I remember walking into this apartment. So mind you, we owned a home in Las Vegas. It was a three-bedroom house, three-car garage. We had a big backyard. We had three vehicles and a motorcycle. So we had all the things, right? I mean, why do you need four basically automobiles for two people? I don't know. Um, But we had it and we were doing fantastic. And suddenly we found ourselves sharing a car, living in a one-bedroom apartment in a new town. And I felt like such a loser. I felt like I was in college now. I'm going, I'm turning 30 this year. And now I'm ending up back in this uh, one-bedroom apartment. And there was a lot of shame that went along with it. And unfortunately, I just didn't see how things were going to change. I couldn't see how we were going to get back to where we were, how we were going to get back on our feet. And I was stressed out monumentally about the bills. I still had my student loans to pay off because in bankruptcy, you're not allowed to write those off. And we had uh, $5,000 in credit cards because I had a credit card since the bankruptcy wasn't in my name and it was maxed out. 5,000 was the max. Thank God actually, because I wouldn't have wanted to be maxed out at any higher than that. So we were kind of at the end of everything. We were maxed out on the only credit card we were allowed to have. Still had my student loans. We had bills to pay. We had a car to share. So I wasn't actually able to even get back into the gym and work like I was. So I had to make my online business work, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise. But I just want to kind of share with you where I was. So I started to Google Well, this wasn't even it. I was looking around for a lot of different things. I looked up Dave Ramsey and I saw that he had a course, but it was $80. And I thought, I just can't pay that. So I skipped over it and I just kept looking for, I mean, literally, I will tell you, this is what I was doing. I was looking for contests to win a car. I needed a car so bad because Dallas is very spread out. My husband was taking the car to work every day. I felt trapped. There was nothing within walking distance. So I spent my days Googling contests. I was entering to win contests on GMC website. I don't know, any car website. And I would fill out at least four applications every time. I'd use my mom's name on one, my dad's name on one, my name on one, and my husband's name. So I would have more chances to win. And I even asked one of my friends to like recommend me to Ellen to try to win me a car. So this is literally where I was. I thought the only way is not to earn more money or to save more money. It's to win a car. This is the only way I thought it could happen. And during that time, for whatever reason, one evening I was Googling myself and I found a woman named Danny Johnson. 
who, well, that's my name. So <laughs> I went over on Facebook and at the time I had about 40,000 fans on Sweaty Buddies and I thought I was pretty freaking good at Facebook. And this lady had over 100,000 fans. And I literally said, who's this bitch with my name and more fans than me? <laughs> of course, high ego, right? So anyway, I clicked like, didn't think anything of it, left it alone. And long story short, she, her stuff started popping up in my timeline. And I noticed she was talking about money. And I thought this was interesting. So I went back to her website and I saw she was selling a book called First Steps to Wealth. And it was quote unquote free. I just had to pay the $8 shipping. And this was at the end of December, 2012. And man, I really didn't have that $8, I had about $10 in my account. So I was pretty much going to be losing everything if I bought this book, but I went ahead and purchased it. And I read the book. And what really touched me about the book was her story. And Danny's story and my story were literally uh, talking about parallel lives with Jill and I, Danny and I, it was almost, it was a little too uncanny. And I got to the end of the book and she said something about a date. She goes, it was March 2nd, my birth, March 2nd, 1990, whatever. I remember because it was my birthday and I burst into tears because that was also my birthday. And I was going, what is this? Like, what are these signs from the universe? We have the same birthday. We have the same name. We have the same background story. And so I looked her up and I saw that she was hosting an event in Dallas in four days. I had just moved to Dallas and I'm going, okay, this is just a weird sign. How the hell is she in Dallas? I just found her, blah, blah, blah. Here's the problem. The workshop cost $200. So if I was going to go and my husband was going to go, it was going to cost $400. Well, I sat on that. I knew it was coming up really soon. I wasn't really sure what to do. I just felt really called that I needed to go there and I needed to learn because she talked so much about this money stuff and I felt like I needed to get a hold of my money issues. I was tired of being in debt. I didn't want to be struggling. I knew I was meant for more. And I didn't think that we were being frivolous. My husband and I, we weren't going out to dinners at night. We weren't spending money on nice bags. I literally had hardly any clothes in my closet. I had like four pairs of shoes and they were, what, like one pair of dress shoes, one pair of sneakers, a pair of chucks, and like, I don't know, some random flip-flops. So I didn't think it was fair that we were struggling when we weren't the ones going out buying nice things and wasting it and going to parties, it just didn't seem fair. And I thought there's got to be a better freaking way. That was literally where I was at. So long story short, um, I toyed with this idea. I had just paid off some money on my credit card. Like I told you, it was maxed out at five grand. I just paid 500 on it. So I had 500 that I could play with. And I decided, okay, I'm gonna call. And if there's tickets left, I waited till the day before. If there's tickets left, then I have to go. But if there's not and it's sold out, then that was fate and I wasn't supposed to make it. So of course I called and they said, yep, we have tickets left. And I thought, shit, I have to go. So I bought the tickets on my credit card and I thought this is gonna be the, either the stupidest thing I ever did or the best thing I ever did. Because I just put $400 on my credit card and I'm going into debt to go to an event to help me learn how to get out of debt. Does this sound, yeah, I'm sure you get it. So long story short is that I went and it was one of the most life-changing events I ever went to. And I can tell you, you can go to this event and may or may not have the same impact on you. I sent people and they just didn't have it, but I think it was where I was at in the moment. 
And there were really a few key, key things that I learned. And that's what I want to share with you today. And really was just some mindset shifts that I needed to make. So this podcast, we've talked a lot about relationships. And then we moved into food, which to be honest, I still think we're talking about relationships because we're talking about relationships with food and how it re- how you interact with that and relationships with your body. And this is really about your relationship with money. It's not about just the money. It's your relationship. How do you feel about money? How do you use the money? What does it mean to you? What is your story about money? And then ultimately it comes down to the truth of all of this is the first episode, second episode, third, all of it. It's your relationship with yourself. Your relationship with money is a reflection of your relationship with yourself. Your relationship with food is a reflection of your relationship with yourself. So I want to start first is talking about the vocabulary of money, right? So when we're talking about the vocabulary of money, there are certain words that really stand out to me. The first one is we always ask how much something cost. What does that cost? And cost is a very interesting thing because it's just what's the number that you're exchanging goods for money for the goods that you want, right? But what we're really asking is we, we tend to judge the cost versus how much we think it's worth, right? So if something costs $5 and we think it's worth $20, we are like, yes, this is a deal. Where if something costs $20 and we think it's worth $5, we are like, hell no, I'm not going to buy it, right? So we're always looking at cost, but really we're asking about cost because we are making a judgment of what something is worth. And we're also asking or trying to figure out the value of something. We will buy something that maybe doesn't have a lot of intrinsic or uh, worth on the outside, like a nice car, right? Cars, we know that they go down in value, they depreciate. However, if you're driving a beautiful black Lexus, black tinted windows, nice rims, the value of that to you is so much higher than maybe your orange Isuzu that's got, you know, beat up stained seats and cracked front windshield because how it makes you feel. How, what is the value of that? The value is not just the actual vehicle, like the parts, the pieces, the quality. It's also just what is the value in this and how it makes you feel. That's why a lot of women carry nice bags or they get nice shoes because it's not really how much the thing costs or what it is the actual worth. It is how it makes someone feel. So when we're talking about worth, I often find that food issues, eating issues, struggling with binging go really hand in hand with people who are struggling financially or in debt. And I really believe the reason why is a lot of our mindset, it's the lack mindset. We talked a little bit about this in the food of like the FOMO, fear of missing out. Like you have to make sure, or it's the like, I need to make sure that I have this and I can eat it now because I may not have it again. This happens a lot with money where you might get paid and you spend it all on Friday or Saturday because you're worried about how much you're going to get next time. You're not sure you're going to have any more. But there's also the piece of, not being or not feeling worthy, right? So many of us sell ourselves short. We work at jobs and we take what we can get or we don't ask for a raise or we don't get more because we really don't think that we are worth it. We don't place enough value on ourselves and our skills and what we do. And so I'm actually not going to talk about that so much in this episode, although I can go really deep into it. I do have a program. First off, you guys go to findthemoneyproject.com 
There is a seven-day challenge, and we go through all these ways that you can find, make, keep, earn, and give more of your money. Um, and I'm going to talk more about give too soon. But I also do a paid course a couple times during the year. Right now it's called Next Level. I think I'm going to re um, rename it. I'm actually refilming it and doing a lot of additions. And it's really going to be about rewriting your money story. And to be honest, it's got to be, it's got to go deeper. It's more about your value, your worth. Why are you not placing enough worth and value on yourself? And how do you take that into your life and create more abundance by how you feel and how you show up in the world. So anyway, let's get right into the tools. I'm going to make just, I want really some actionable things for you guys to take away after this episode on how you can just, like I said, make, keep, earn, and give more of your own money this week. So I did a little opt-in called Five Debt Tips. It was at fivedebttips.com. I will see if it's still there. I'll link it in the show notes if it is. And I'm going to give you these five tips. Okay, so the first one is Finding out where your money is actually going. What I call this in Find the Money Project is getting naked, like getting on the scale. So what I would love for you to do is get your bank statements and print it out. This doesn't mean log onto your phone app and look. This doesn't mean log onto your bank statement, your bank account and look. It means getting a printer, going to Kinko's if you have to, clicking on the statements, hitting print. And I would do it for the last two months. And then what you need to do is you're gonna take some highlighters or colored pencils and you need to start marking that stuff up and looking at every single transaction line by line by line. So what I did or what we did, my ex and I, we took a green marker and everything that was fuel or car related, we highlighted it green. And then everything that was food related, we highlighted it yellow. And we actually did two different ones for food. We did one for groceries and we did one for eating out or like gas station stops, like energy drinks or something like that. And then you're going to, and you know, you might run out of color, so you can figure this out. Circle all of the subscriptions. Maybe they're the Amazon Primes. Maybe they're the apps. Maybe they're, who knows. Then look at your insurances, your car insurance, your house insurance, your health insurance. I want you to mess this thing up, make it all murky and pretty, and then make your own categories and see what are you spending in different places. What I have found across the board is that most people are spending a significant amount of money on food. And this was, this was really straight from Danny Johnson, to be honest. You know, she talked a lot about the food and I didn't think it applied to us. I was like, no, we don't eat out. This doesn't apply to us until I took the highlighters out. And I, we saw that we had spent that month $1,300 in food for two people. Our rent in Dallas was less than $700. That means we spent almost twice as much on food as our own living. There was two of us. And listen, we didn't go eat out. But what we did was I'd go to the grocery store almost every other day because I thought it was better if I just used my debit card and like we just get a rotisserie chicken and we get a little bit of rice and here and there and here and there and here and there. And that shit added up. I was shocked. I was shocked. Now, she suggested that you spend $20 per person per week. However, I find that very, very difficult, and I think $30 to $50 per person per week is doable. So Nate and I decided to do $280 a month for food, and we would put it in an envelope, and that meant, listen to what this meant, if we had spent $1,300 the month before, we obviously must have had the money in there, in the budget somewhere. So we took that down to $280, which meant we had nearly $1,100 that we could pay off on a credit card the next month. 
So the next month we took that 280, put it in an envelope, took it out, and immediately took that $1,100 that we knew must have been there and put it down uh, as a payment on that card. Crazy, right? So that is just one of the tips. But first is just, just highlight it all, okay? Just start there. You need to know where it's going. For you, it may not be food, but I guarantee food's gonna be a big, big part of it. I guarantee. Okay, number two, the second, is do not shop for anything until you use up what you have. And this goes two ways, okay? This is gonna be with food. And it's very, very interesting because I used to always think we needed to shop for food because we didn't have it, but turns out we had it. I just didn't want to eat it. I was like, ugh, nothing looks good. I actually just had this conversation with my cousin last night. I went over and she just got back from Costco and she goes, oh, excuse the mess. We have all this stuff from Costco out. And I said, isn't it funny how you can go to Costco or you go to Target and you feel like you get your cart is so full. It is overflowing. You think you have so much and you get home and once you put it all away, it seems to disappear and you're like, oh, we don't even have that much. So it's interesting. We, we get a lot and then once we put it away, it feels like we have nothing and then we get bored. We just don't want what's in there. So we go shopping some more. So eating all the food, that's one of the things to use all the things. Eating what you have, using up those beans that you bought for whatever reason, they're sitting there still, eat the damn things. Eat the rice, eat whatever is there, whatever's in your freezer that has been there for who knows how long, eat that shit. You bought it, it's time to eat it. The second is just using all the, the products. I went into this woman's house in Dallas and I, went, I asked to use her bathroom and I went into her daughter's bathroom and there, I kid you not, were probably 13 half empty to less than half empty bottles of Bath and Body Works body washes. Now you all been to Bath and Body Works. I know you guys know there's like 10 bucks each. So they're probably $150, even if they were on sale, 100 bucks worth of body washes in that shower. And this happens so often and it's not a judgment. It's just a like, hey, we wonder where our money goes. And if you start taking a look, you start to see where your money went. It's because you had it at the time, you bought the thing, and then later on you're going, shit, where's my money for the things I actually do really need and want, like, or to pay my bills. So I started this, and this was 2013, I'm telling you. I still, to this day, have a shine spray, a hairspray that I'm still using five years later because I still have not used up all my stuff, especially hair stuff. I'm the worst. If there's a new product for hair, I would get it. They're like, oh, it's for flat hair. I need that. Oh, it's for volumizing. Oh, I need that. Oh, this is for shiny hair. I need that. Oh, this is to dry your hair. I need that. I mean, I am the worst. When it comes to hair product marketing, I'm the worst. I know some girls for it's makeup. For me, it's hair stuff. So use up what you have. Uh, one of the ways I did this with makeup, um, I had a couple different like foundations. They weren't all really the right shade. So I mixed them together. Boom. Got the perfect shade. Uh, I even took some concealer and mixed it with some uh, moisturizer. Boom. There's some new foundation. It's so great. It's actually kind of fun. It's one of my favorite things is mixing stuff. How many bottles of body wash do you have? Put them all in one. Now you have a really interesting, unique smelling body wash for yourself. I mean, literally, you are not allowed to buy any new things until you use up what you have. And it starts to become really fun. I'll tell you the other thing that it does, it clears out space. Now all of a sudden you open up underneath your bathroom sink and when you reach in, you don't knock over 16,000 bottles when you're trying to get another roll of toilet paper. And you start to create space. Creating space allows you to have more. So I gave a little bit, I think I gave the fist analogy in the last podcast episode of when your fist is closed, 
Now you can hold on to everything you have, but you don't allow anything else to come in, right? So if you have an open fist, you allow things to flow in and out. And this is when it comes to using up all the things, I really believe it's like clearing space to allow for something new. And you know, it feels amazing to have space. If you've ever walked into a model home, they're so bare, right? They just have the furniture and they don't have stuff all over. They don't have papers all over. When you start to be able to clear and simplify, it feels so good and you feel more abundant and you allow more things to come in. So number one, find out where your money's going. Number two, don't shop for anything. Number three is sell your shit. So you've got all this extra stuff. You haven't used it in forever. You have a bike in your garage that has been sitting there for six years. I know I might ride it this summer. No, you won't. Fucking sell it. Okay. Sell the stuff that you're not using. Here's the thing. You can always buy it again. If you do decide to ride a bike, cool. Buy it when you're ready to ride it. You can always buy it again. Appliances, stuff that's in your storage units. You haven't seen it. You don't even know what's in there. Why are you paying a hundred dollars a month for a storage unit? And that shit is rotting and getting dusty and getting worse and worse. Just get rid of it. So sell it. You can make some pretty good cash by getting rid. So one of the things we had was a storage unit because we moved. We put everything in there. We were paying $100 a month, $110 actually, for two units. And what we had in there was some appliances. We had our washer and dryer. We had our dishwasher. We had our refrigerator. Because we thought, man, if we move into a house, we don't want to buy that stuff. But think about the mentality there. We were paying $110 a month. That means a year later, we had already paid $1,300, which could buy a new refrigerator because we didn't want to have to buy a new refrigerator. <laughs> and we didn't know when we move again. We didn't know when we'd move into another house. We were still, as far as we could tell, going to be stuck in that apartment for another two years. So there's four grand down the drain. And now by the time we get the fridge out, it might not even be working because it's been in that storage unit for too long. So empty out your storage unit, sell the things. You can always buy stuff again. You can buy stuff on Craigslist, but sell your stuff. Sell it on Craigslist. Sell it on Facebook Marketplace. It's so easy. Sell it on OfferUp. There's so many sites. In if you do find the Money Project, do the 14-day boot camp, and it gives you a list of all the things and just gives you lots and lots and lots of ideas. Okay, number four. Number four is get a side gig. I know people don't really love the idea of this. They're like, I'm so busy already. I don't have time for a side job or another job. Okay, you don't have to deliver papers or pizza, but do something else on the side. If you want to get ahead, okay, here's, here's the thing. My background's in personal training, right? Especially weight loss. So I would tell, the, tell someone when they wanted to lose weight, there's two ways you could lose weight. There's three ways you could lose weight. One, you take in less calories, right? Go on a diet. You couldn't lose weight. Two, you exercise more. You burn more calories. Or three... The most effective probably is if you do both, right? You take in less calories and you work out more. Eat less, work out more. It's science. Okay, so let's use that same science for your debt. One, spend less money, right? We already looked through all your stuff. Let's cut down on the eating budget. Let's stop shopping for stuff. Two, make more money. Ask for a raise, get a side job. Or three, do both. And we could really, really put gasoline on this fire. So I really suggest getting some kind of side gig. Now, one of the things, well, a couple of ways you could do this. One, if it doesn't count necessarily as a side job, but one, maybe you need to move back in with your parents for a bit, or you need to get a roommate for a little while, or you need to rent out a room in your house 
um, on Airbnb or something like that. Find ways that don't necessarily require extra time or hours in the day. You can do something like that to bring in more income. You've got to start getting creative. And it's not so shameful. Um, I'm actually living at my parents' house right this moment. Um, do I need to? No. But is it helpful? Hell yes, it's helpful. It started to not make sense to me that I was traveling so much and paying rent for a place that I was only home five days a month. So I thought, okay, Danny, I can spend my rent money, $1,300 to $1,800 a month in LA. Or what if I could invest that money? What if I took $1,000 of that money and put it towards something that I could that can make more money later? It just wasn't making sense to me to continue to do that. So while it's a temporary thing, and it's somewhat embarrassing to tell somebody I'm staying at my parents' house right now. The truth of the matter is it's the smartest thing I could do. They love having me here. And I'm in and out all the time, so I'm not here all the time anyway. And it's really helping me out quite a bit. The other thing is when it comes to getting a side gig is network marketing. And I know there's people out there who were like me who, were like, who said, I will never, ever, 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 ever do an MLM. I'm not going to push pills or supplements or whatever products. It's terrible. Well, guess what? I was the one who said the same exact thing. And there are things that you will do when you're broke that you think you'll never do and you end up doing. And guess what? It's not so bad. <laughs> so, you know, when you're in that position, maybe you do have to go move home. You have to let go of some ego. You got to drop some ego. So I ended up doing a network marketing business. I joined one that my sister was doing. And after I had said for years, I would never do that. I don't want to be that salesy person. It's gross. Well, I ended up joining this because, and I'll tell you the exact how it happened. She had a skincare product. Uh, she was selling it. She was telling me to join. She was making good money. Even though I needed the money, I wasn't going to sell out because I thought that was lame. So I said, fine, send me your BS product. I'm going to take before pictures and after pictures, basically, so I can show you that it doesn't work and it's bullshit and then you will get off my back. So I used the product, I took before and after pictures and holy shit, it worked. And let me tell you, I'm like, I'm not a skincare snob, but I have issues with my skin. Same with my hair, skin and hair always had, had issues. So I tried tons of things, been to dermatologists, all of this. So this product worked and I was like, oh damn, well maybe I will try to sell it. So I never went crazy. I never went, I never did the thing that I said I was never going to do. I mean, I never like, I know I wasn't weird about it. And I will tell you, in network marketing, there is a way to do it right and do it in a way that people want to buy from you and love it and ask you about it. And that's a whole other training. I'm actually going to do a training on that this year. So keep an eye out on my pages and stuff if you are in network marketing. If you don't know what network marketing is, that's something like Beachbody, Isogenics, World Ventures, there's Travel Ones, Nerium, Rodan and Fields, those are two skincare ones. There's so many. There's so many products. There's lashes. There's makeup. So getting a side gig, one of those things can help you tremendously. I will tell you what happened with that side gig, the little skincare business that I was never going to do. It ended up retiring my husband. It ended up making it so that we could travel around the country for a year in an RV, completely debt-free and location independent. So you can turn your nose up at it and mock it. But sometimes those things that you think you're never going to do end up being the biggest blessings in your life. So I really, really suggest getting a side gig, however that looks for you. And number five, this is the tip that I did mention a little bit in the last episode, and it made all the difference for me, and it's give, giving money. And I hear people say, well, what about just your time, like volunteering? 
Bitch, when was the last time you volunteered? I talk to people all the time. I don't know anybody who volunteers. I actually did volunteer. Nate and I were volunteers with Big Brother's Big Sister. We had a little named Kelly, and he's a badass kid. And we would have to see him twice a month. And it was hard to make time to see a kid twice a month. I'll tell you what, volunteering isn't easy. And most people I know don't volunteer. So they ask, can I volunteer? I'm like, when, when are you going to make that happen? Like, sure, do it. But you know what's really funny? The people who I know who volunteered, they also give money, ironically. I did a two-week trip to Belize. We stayed in an orphanage. We helped all of the people there who were giving up their time and energy to volunteer also gave money. So sure, volunteer, absolutely do it but you still need to give money. I still just believe it. And I don't know how anyone else will convince me otherwise. So here's how it got taught to me and how I finally wrapped my mind around it and then how it actually made the difference for me. So it was Danny, Danny Johnson. She said, okay, you're giving 10%. And literally I'll tell you guys, I grew up in a church where we were required to give 10%. And so this was another resistance I had to giving 10%. I thought, why would I give 10% to the church? I don't know what they're doing with it. That's ridiculous. I felt like it was this trick that the church was doing to get our money. So when Danny said to give 10%, I was instantly resistant, didn't want to hear anything to do with it. However, I did know that I tried so many different things. The one thing I hadn't tried was that. And so I remember going into that workshop and going, whatever she says to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to try because I got to trust it because I've tried so many other things and nothing else has worked. And this was the, the one thing that shifted everything for me. So 10%, let's think about it. If I had a dime in my hand, oh, let's say 10 pennies, and I gave away one of those pennies, with those nine left, would I still be okay? It's like, duh, right? Like, what do you do with nine pennies? You might as well just throw all the pennies on the ground. Okay, no biggie. Let's go up a little bit. A dollar. If I had a buck and I gave away 10 cents, that 90 cents that I still have left, could I still do something with that? Yeah, probably. Okay, let's go up some more. $10. I got 10 bucks. Give away one. Am I still going to be okay with the nine? Yeah. It's not going to make a big impact in my life on only $9. Okay, 100. If somebody took 10 of that away and you've got 90, are you able to like be fine with the 90 instead of 100? Yes, duh. So the problem is we think... We're going to give money away when we make more. We're always like, well, when I have all the money, I'm going to give it away. Like, I'll be generous when I'm rich. Well, if you're not generous when you're not rich, you're not going to be generous when you are rich. And probably you're not going to be rich if you're never generous. I mean, I know that's not necessarily mutually exclusive, but the kind of people I want to be around and that you guys want to be, I know would like to be generous and to help. As I know I would. I want to be the person who can just freely give and feel amazing. So I got, I got the point of that 10% really, really isn't that much. And so Nate and I started to, as soon as we get paid for his salary, I'm thinking at the time he was making about $1,500 after taxes every two weeks. So we take $150. As soon as came in payday, take $150. We literally went to the ATM, took out 150 and then we put it in this envelope in our closet. The envelope just said to give and wrote on a, on a ballpoint pen. And then in the envelope, we put it inside a bag. And then we put the bag like underneath a bunch of stuff. I don't know why we were hiding it. I don't know if maybe somebody broke in, I guess. So every month we did that. Every paycheck, we just take out that money, put it in the envelope, hide it. 
And I told this a little bit that I didn't realize how much money was in there. He was on a work trip. And I went and snuck into the closet, dug it up, pulled out the money, and there was 400 bucks in there. And I thought, holy shit, how am I supposed to give away $400? And mind you guys, I've always felt that I was pretty generous. If somebody was raising money for like a 5K or their kids' school things, I'd like give them 20 bucks, right? Like that's how I felt I was being generous. So, but 400? Whoo! I was just driving this shitty beat up Isuzu, which is why I mentioned the Isuzu earlier. It was pretty scary. And um, I knew that thing was going to need work. And I know cars always cost me $800 every time they need work. So I'm freaking out about this 400 and I had this mental battle. I go, well, Nate doesn't know how much is in here. Maybe I'll just take 200, hide that in my sock drawer, put the 200 back in the closet, and then we'll just give the 200 away. And of course, I had the mental battle, told myself to get out of here, put the money back, but I was stressed. And as the rest of the story goes, found an orphanage Facebook they were trying to raise some money to put this roof on it. And I just decided in that moment, let's put it all here. So I ran to the bank. It was 10 o'clock at night. Took out the, uh, sorry, deposited the $400 cash into the bank. Ran back home to $400 on my debit card. Hit enter. And I screamed. Like I felt sick. And then I felt excited. And then I was exhilarated. And then I wanted to see all the other donations. I was like, oh my gosh, did we donate the most? And of course, other people had donated a thousand, and I was like, "Man, I wish I donated a <laughs> thousand. But the whole point of that story was the money was gone already, right? It was in the closet. It was not it didn't exist already in my life. It hadn't affected us. It was just the knowing that it was there. But what happened after that was the magic part. And I can't say when these things will happen to you, but I really do believe they do. Every time, every time, every time, every time I talk to somebody who starts doing this, I hear, I mean, literally just miracles. Right after, literally like the next day, this guy reached out to me who had owed me money from a business transaction about a year and a half before. 250 bucks owed me, ended up paying me back. I had written that off. Thought of a new idea for an online program and made me five grand. I mean, there were just I I can I can't even list all the things, but money started to flow in, and so I was like, dang, I need to just keep this up. It's just, it just works. It just works, and it made me feel good. And then we started donating to Big Brothers Big Sisters along with our donating our time to Big Brothers Big Sisters. But the big thing is that you give to where you feel called. You don't have to give to your church if you don't want to. You don't have to give to, uh, you know, an orphanage. Just give where you feel called. Maybe you're walking down the street and there's a homeless person and you got that 10% set aside. There you go. One of the things we gave to right after was next. So after the four, initial 400, the next was we had 800. And our buddy that we had lived with when we were struggling, the one who basically took us in, he lost his job. And I was so grateful we had that money set aside to give because we found out he lost his job. I wrote him a check for $800, put it in the mail, and it felt so good to be able to help him, especially when he had helped us when we needed it. And the great thing about the 10% and the putting it aside is that when the opportunity arises, you're ready for it. You're ready to give when it's asked. And I'm like getting all, <laughs> I'm getting all teary about that one because that was a really amazing uh really amazing feeling to be able to give back when, when he needed it from us. So I'm getting emotional. Luckily this is not video.
So I'm just going to wrap up. So number one, make sure you know where your money's going. Look at those recurring payments. Look at your food. See what you can cut back. There's way, way more guys than Find the Money Project. Findthemoneyproject.com. It goes into more details on that stuff, especially after you outline everything. Uh, number two, don't shop for anything. Number three, sell your shit. Number four, get a side gig. And number five is give. Now, like I said, in Find the Money Project, there's a 14-day boot camp. There's actually 14 days of this stuff where it goes into a little more detail. It gives you a lot more. Um, it's just a challenge. It's fun. And most people in those 14 days find an average of $1,800 in two weeks. And that's including people who have, you know, limited income and that kind of thing. So I hope these are super helpful for you. Obviously, there's so much more. Like once you find the money, there is a lot more. It's like, what's next? And that's why I created Next Level. But really, there's a lot more to it um, in, in rewriting your money story and changing your money conversation. But to get you started, to get you feeling more abundant, to get you to realize that there is more out there, I really believe the taking the 10% aside and giving it allows you to see and feel and understand the abundance that is there and to also just be grateful for what you have. Gratitude is the big, big, big shifter as well. And that's kind of a theme along all of these episodes as well as just the gratitude and knowing that you have so much already. So anyway, I hope these were really helpful. I would love to hear your thoughts. Make sure if you like this episode or if you think somebody you know could benefit, please send it. You can share from your iPod app or yeah, iPod app. That doesn't even make sense. Your uh, podcast app on iTunes. And I'm sure you can do the same in Stitcher and all the other places. Make sure you subscribe. Please leave reviews. We love the reviews. I know Jill and I have been loving reading those and talking to each other about them. We love the private messages, the DMs. You can also get into our private Facebook group at thebestlifepodcast.com where we always extend the conversation, go a little bit deeper, have some amazing shares and have some great, great insights to share. And we will see you on the next episode.